Welcome to Sunday Morning Live Fellowship. You are listening to our live Sunday morning service. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Now turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. While you're finding our scripture, let me say this. I try and watch television once a week. I'm not into television. I don't like the noise in the background. So, and by television, I mean one movie that I have selected once a week. And sometimes I'm so busy, I can't even get in one movie a week. And preferably, I love to watch a movie on Sunday evening at the end of a long day. So this last Sunday, I watched a movie entitled All Saints. The movie was based on the true story, and most of the movies I watched are based on a true story. So this movie, based on a true story, was the story of Pastor Michael Spurlock, who decides to trade in his corporate sales career to become a pastor. Unfortunately, the first assignment that he is chosen to cover, the first assignment is to close a country church and sell the prime real estate land where the church sits. The pastor soon has a change of heart When the church starts to welcome refugees from Burma, this movie started out so slow and I felt the acting wasn't that good that I was really ready to turn the movie off and just go to sleep. But then the main character, the pastor, hears God speak to him. Ah. When that happened, I wake up, sit up in my chair, and give the movie my undivided attention. Pastor Spurlock claims that God wants him and the Burma refugees to turn the church land that was surrounding the church into a working farm. To pay the church bills, feed the Burma refugees, and give the congregation new life, which would convince the ecclesiastical powers to keep the church open as a mission church. Pastor Spurlock, oh my God, he works hard to help others and make his church leading and farm endeavors become a success. In fact, the whole congregation and surrounding community pitch in to make the pastor's vision a reality. Devoting long hours of labor along the way. Mm. But when it's time to harvest all the crops, and the crops are ready to be sold for profit, a flood comes in and ruins everything except a little bit. 
So the crops that were not ruined were packed onto a great big bus to sell at the farmer's market several hours away. On the way to the farmer's market, the bus is impounded because the person driving the bus is one of the Burma refugees and he got all kind of outstanding tickets on his record. So while the bus is in the police impound, all the crops are ruined. Oh my God. I literally blurted out, how is this going to work? And what are God, what is God doing? All the pastor's dreams are shattered in a day. Beloved, the way God works things out is absolutely unknown to us. But without a doubt, he is always on our side. And his promises will not fail even when we are severely <coughs> disappointed because things did not work out the way that we expected. Whew, that's almost the whole message in a nutshell. All right. Now turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come or should we expect or should we expect someone else? Oh, my God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to your throne as your children. We come to your throne. Ultimate authority and power, controller of all things, large and small. And with that said, God, we bow in humble submission to your will, to your plan, to your purpose, to your way, your path, the path that you have placed us on. We pray for every name that we called out. Some are in pain, excruciating pain. Some are shaking this morning. Oh God, we pray that you would touch them right now. Let them know that it is you. Others, oh God, are in pain and shaking because they're living in war-torn regions. Others are in emotional devastation and pain because they have lost everything through weather phenomenons. Now, God, we pray for everyone within the sound of my voice that is residing, oh God, at this intersection of disappointment. <laughs> oh God, let them know that you are still in control. Let them know to not get turned around because there's a detour. <laughs> Let them know that you are still in control, even in those areas that are under construction. Oh, God, we look up, we see you, and we trust you. Now, God, we pray for your servant. 
Father, let it be all of you and none of me. Send an anointing, oh God, not like yesterday and not like tomorrow, but an anointing for right now. Father, we'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. In the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen. We want to go back and read 3B. Are you the one who is to come or should we expect (laughs) someone else? I would like to use for a topic how to live at the intersection of expectation and disappointment. How to live at the intersection of expectation and disappointment. Who among us will be honest enough to admit that more times than you can count, you have stood at the intersection of expectation and disappointment. You had your life all mapped out, but somehow things didn't turn out the way you had planned. You thought everything was going good and then there came that day when the doctor told you that you have to have surgery in order to survive. Your life was transformed by the new reality and your dreams died that day. You at that time were standing at the intersection of expectation and disappointment or Maybe you were more qualified than the other candidate that applied for the job upgrade, but the other person got the job that really should have been yours. And now you are forced to work under someone who is less qualified than you. You are at the intersection of expectation and disappointment, or maybe you thought that your marriage would last forever only to see your spouse walk out, your marriage crumble with you left to pick up the pieces, working multiple jobs, raising children by themselves, and you have cried an ocean of tears. You are standing at the intersection of expectation and disappointment. You thought, maybe you thought you were going to enjoy your golden years, but the changing markets have forced you to scramble financially, come out of retirement, a time in your your life where you thought things would be easy, but you're working just to make ends meet. You stand at the intersection of expectation and disappointment. If we could only know what God was going to do next, maybe we could be more courageous while standing at this intersection. Beloved, we all struggle with doubt at such times When we are standing at that intersection, we can't help but wonder if God even hears us 
when we pray? Does he care about our struggles? Because the response that we got from God was the opposite of what we expected. The question, the same question that John the Baptist sent out by his disciples. We may not verbalize it, but it's in our mind. Are you the Christ? Or should we look for another? As we move back into our text regarding John the Baptist, we want to give you a brief history on this last prophet from the Old Testament. John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins. They were born six months apart. John had known Jesus even before they were born. You're like, how is that? Mary, Jesus's mother, was told by the angel Gabriel that she had been chosen to bear the Son of God. Reacting to what had happened and especially the difficult questions that would be raised by this pregnancy, Mary trekked into the hill country to find respite with her cousin Elizabeth. When Mary arrived at the home of her cousin, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost and she exclaimed with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb weep for joy and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. You can find this story in Luke chapter one, verses 39 through 45. The baby in the womb was John the Baptist who would be known. The Bible says in Mark chapter one, as baptizing in the wilderness. These verses say, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. The next day, the Bible says, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, we went over this last week, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. John believed in Jesus and believed that the two of them were on a divine mission. Then the unexpected happened. A tragic event occurred. John the Baptist was put into prison 
by King Herod because the king did not like what John was preaching. In John's sermon, he rebuked Herod for committing adultery with his brother's wife, Herodias. In response to the king, putting John in prison. Though John knew Jesus, and though he had fulfilled all that had been appointed for him to accomplish, prison disillusioned John. When he sent his disciples to Jesus to ask Jesus if he was the Messiah, or should he look for another? John was not questioning what he had witnessed. On the contrary, John was expressing his disappointment. I think I'm speaking to someone right now. You know who Jesus is. You do not doubt that he saved you. You have no doubt that he is able to deliver you. But at one point, even maybe at this moment, you are in the dungeon of despair because of disappointment. Uh, You are hurting and wondering why God does not take your pain away. You don't know what's going to happen next. Um, And so like John, you send someone to ask Jesus, are you the one or shall we look for another? Oh, that's how some serious doubt. Maybe you wonder how even John got to this state. And maybe you wonder how anyone could move from shouting the glory to singing the blues. It didn't just happen because John was detained in the dungeon of disappointment. Where John was incarcerated would have been meaningless if he just could have understood that this was God's appointment. I think the reason that John was depressed lies more in the failure for God to fulfill what John had expected. You see, John had personal expectations, but his personal expectations didn't fit into God's plan. The path God leads us toward may not always make sense to us if it's not the plan we had hoped for ourselves. And we don't understand how what happened could possibly lead to something good. Beloved, embracing a new and unexpected direction requires Courage, courage to let go of what we thought would happen. Courage to move forward with God's plans for the future. Courage 
that when we don't know what's going to happen next, we can still trust God. These are our choices. We have to decide whether we are going to hold on to what we dreamed and expected or if we are going to choose to follow God when he sets us on a new path with redirected plans that don't fit into what we thought. God's plans are our only comfort. God's plan is our only hope even when what we planned is dramatically changed. See, beloved, there are some things that can only be grown in the soil of disappointment. But while you are standing at that intersection of expectation and disappointment, that's not where the answer is. The answer to your questions are up. You have to look up. Take your eyes off the intersection and look up to God's sovereign power. His power will govern all the inexplicable, frustrating detours and delays of your life, and he will use them for his wise designs and purposes. In fact, God is doing a thousand things for you right now. (laughs) Yes, even in the midst of disappointment, God is working for you right now. That's where God works. What is he doing? He is using your shattered dreams. As Brother Mitchell would always say, God, don't waste nothing. He will use those very shattered dreams to bring about his plans in your life. So if disappointment is inevitable, someone might be thinking, if I have to come to this intersection at some point in my life, how can I recover from the disappointment? Mm, Well, I'm glad you asked. First, we must prepare to be disappointed. Ah, don't you dare call me a defeatist or pessimist. I'm just being real. Prepare for it because someday you will find yourself at this very intersection. Number two, share. Share your disappointment. Tell the Lord how you feel. Get honest and transparent with God. Describe how you feel. And if you can't find the words, bring him your tears. Bring him your groans and allow the Holy Spirit to interpret your feelings and take them right to the mercy seat of God and don't just share them with God, share them with someone that you trust is too much 
to keep inside. And third, remember, remember that the Lord Jesus knew deep disappointment ah, from his days of being on earth. His disciples let him down all the time. All forsook him. One denied him and even one betrayed him. He knows and understands the pain and frustration that you are going through. And he can sympathize with you and support you as he gives you the ability to recover from the blows of disappointment. He is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He will never leave you or forsake you. And number four, submit. Humble submission and acceptance. Rather than arrogant fighting is the way through this very dark intercession. Nothing can be gained by taking vengeance on our disappointers or by angrily shaking our fist in God's face. No, we must confess, Lord, I don't understand how they could do this to me. Lord, I don't even understand how you allowed this to happen. Lord, I don't know how or when or what it's going to look like, how this is going to work out. But I'm going to bow before your power and believe you know what's best for me. Number five, grow. Our movie was about farming and I'm using Farming analogies grow. Use this disappointment to grow your faith, to grow your service. Use the pain that you feel right now to make a resolve that you will never inflict this kind of pain on other people. Or maybe you can look back in your life and think about the times you deeply disappointed someone and you can make it right. You can also use disappointment to serve others by ministering to the disappointed all around you with the same comfort with which God comforted you. And number six, hope. Stir up the eternal hope while your earthly hopes may have been shattered, at least for now. We still have a heavenly hope that no amount of earthly disappointment can take it away. Beloved, God will use your earthly disappointment to redirect your hopes toward that which is spiritual and eternal. Sometimes our own plans that are unfulfilled, redirected and delayed, God will use as a pathway to bring us to that place of hope and new identity. John the Baptist knew from scripture 
that he who gave the blind sight and made the lame to walk and preach good news to the poor could surely open up the prison doors where he was incarcerated. But Jesus didn't do that for John. Jesus doesn't condemn John for his doubts. But at the same time, Jesus knows that John's public ministry is over. Just like the saints in Hebrews 11, John wouldn't receive all of God's promises, but could only greet them and see them from afar. He would not serve with Jesus or see the fulfillment of God's kingdom. But one day he would. One day he would see his glorious part in God's magnificent plan. He, the last Old Testament prophet, would see how God used him to prepare the world to receive Jesus. But for now, John has to accept the Messiah's plans for his life. Plans that are different than what he expected. He has to remember who God is and trust God from a dark prison. And so it is with us when our plans begin to crumble and God takes us away from our dreams. We must trust God's infinite wisdom when our cup of suffering seems too much to bear. We can rest in God's immeasurable love. When our life spins out of control, we need to remember God's absolute sovereignty. I may not understand what's happening in this life. I may never see how God is going to use my trials. But one day, we will be grateful for them. All we can do for now is trust that he who made the lame to walk and made the blind to see and died on Calvary's cross so that we could spend eternity with him is going to do the very best thing for us. It all comes down to faith. There is a day, an eternal day, in the not-too-distant future when all disappointment will be taken away, when all things will not only be new, but will remain new for eternity. Every possible source of disappointment in that day will be removed. And all our unfulfilled hopes will be fulfilled. Hallelujah. Beloved, God will use the soil of your destroyed dreams and your shattered visions to produce just what he said he would do. Now you're wondering how that movie ended. I would suggest you go and rent it. I'm going to watch it again. If you are at the intersection 
of disappointment and expectation. Look up. Hallelujah. That's where all your hope and power comes from. If you have not received Jesus Christ as your personal savior, would you pray this simple prayer with me? Admit that you are a sinner. Pray this prayer. I've done many things that don't please you. I have lived my life for myself only. I am sorry and I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross for me to save me. You did what I could not do for myself. I come to you now and ask you to take control of my life. I give it to you from this day forward. Help me to live every day in a way, a way that pleases you. If you prayed that simple prayer with me, please contact me at 231-349-1046. God bless you. I love you.